Open our eyes, Lord, that we might see. Open our ears that we might hear. Open our mind and our heart that we might understand, so that we will turn to you and live. Hear the distinct and peculiar word that the gospel brings. Our commitment is not to some standalone idea of justice that we dream up and then we go and try to see how Jesus fits into our ideas. But whether we commit ourselves to Jesus, who is the just one. Justice needs Jesus. This morning, Jesus tells us over and again through one image after another that the kingdom of heaven, which is another way of saying the kingdom of God, is our truest treasure our deepest hope, our most profound longing. It's the one thing we must have, even at the cost of losing absolutely everything else. The most basic Christian conviction is this, Jesus is Lord. And our loyalty is to Jesus's kingdom, which rules forever and ever. Our loyalty is to Jesus' kingdom, and may every opposing kingdom crumble. The scriptures speak of the kingdom of God as a kingdom of righteousness. Seek ye first God's kingdom, Matthew tells us, and God's righteousness. This word righteousness includes the biblical idea of justice, and in fact, it's often translated as justice. Righteousness or justice is doing what God says is right. Justice and the kingdom of God go hand in hand. Justice is not an idea that was dreamed up by political ideologies, whether they were progressive or conservative. Justice is the word that describes what God's reign in the world looks like. When you get the kingdom of God, as Paul tells us in Romans 14, you get righteousness or justice, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is the kingdom that Jesus tells us is worth losing everything for. This is why we would have in our own history of American Christians, someone like a Will Campbell who was born in Mississippi he was, uh, grew up in a Baptist church, and he told stories about how the pew Bibles in their church would have symbols of the KKK engraved on the front of the cover. But over the years, he kept reading his Bible, and he kept hearing the reality of the kingdom of God and how God is welcoming all people and how we are all joined together in a community of love and justice and goodness. Ultimately, he became a Baptist minister, but his convictions actually led him out of the particular denominational strain he was in, particularly around these questions of what exactly does the gospel require of me as one who proclaims Jesus as Lord? He was one of the first white Southern Christian leaders to support civil rights vocally and with his body and with his reputation. 
He happened to be the only white person that Dr. King included at the founding of the Southern Leadership Conference, and there was a whole lot of people who didn't want him there. In 1957, he was one of four people who walked those African-American students into the schools in Little Rock as they began to uh, desegregate. If you know Will's story, and he was a uh, colorful character. In fact, in a, in a minute, I may share another story, and it's going to have a little peppery language because that's the way Will is, and there's no way to tell the story otherwise. But if you know much of Will's story, he kind of was at odds with almost everyone all the time. He was just a maverick, and you couldn't put him in any box. You couldn't put him in any political box. You couldn't put him in any social box. He was Will Campbell who was trying to be faithful to Jesus. And I'm quite certain that Will didn't get it all right. But one thing I massively respect about him is that his loyalty was to the kingdom of God. John Perkins says, we experience the kingdom of God when God's people do what God says in the world, believing that Jesus is with us when we're doing it. We experience the kingdom of God when God's people do what God says in the world, believing that, just, that Jesus is with us when we're doing it. In other words, justice requires Jesus. Justice needs Jesus because our attempts at justice, left to themselves, and especially whenever wrongs are not righted swiftly, usually find a magnetic pull back to some expression of the same violence or dehumanizing energies that required justice in the first place. We are not unjust because humanity has just a few bad apples. We are unjust because left to ourselves, we resort to power plays and violence and manipulation and enemy motifs to protect ourselves or to enact the world we believe in. And we can do this under the guise of justice as much as anything else. Justice needs Jesus because the powers of this world have no generative, life-giving resources on their own. Zero. James tells us everything that is good and perfect comes from above, from the Father of lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows of this world. Every single thing that is right and true and beautiful and good comes from God. Everything. Everything else at its best is just derivative or at worst, some kind of degradation or twisting of that good thing. Every ounce of love and healing that exists in the universe comes from the God who has made himself known in Jesus Christ. God is love. The God who is love has revealed God's own self through the first century Palestinian known as Jesus Christ, the one who was a Jew and brought to us God. Justice as an ideal is very different from the Jesus who is justice. This doesn't mean that someone has to wear a Jesus t-shirt to do justice. It doesn't mean you have to understand Christian theology. It does mean that whenever true justice happens, it's consistent with the person of Jesus. Jesus defines justice. We don't define justice. 
No matter how noble or advanced or courageous our justice appears to be, if it doesn't line up with Jesus's way, it will ultimately, some way or another, end up doing harm. And that justice is only possible in the world because God has made it so in Jesus Christ. Justice needs Jesus because Jesus has uniquely and authoritatively disarmed the violent power games that we humans are addicted to, and we are addicted to them. Our justice, if we're the ones who define it, often means revenge. It often means reversing the power dynamics, but still playing the same game using the notion of justice as our human way of atoning for our own sin or dealing with our shame. We humans, we thrive on the delusions of self-righteousness, the idea that we are the just ones and others are the evil ones. And so we make tidy sides. We make the other person out to be an enemy. And then once they're our enemy, we can dehumanize them. And we can do this by clinging to our privilege. We can do this by bolstering our power. We can do this even in our efforts to enact justice because self-righteousness is insidious in the human heart. Most of us want to justify ourselves to show that we're on the right side. And to do that, someone else has to be the evil one. They have to be the pure personification of the enemy. And the violence and the estrangement goes on and on and on. And it is not Jesus's justice. Justice needs Jesus because God's justice is not about evening the score. It's not even only about righting wrongs. It's about something way more cosmic than this. It is about reconciliation, healing, renewal, transformation. Things that seemed impossible are now impossible because Jesus has been raised from the dead. In 1 Corinthians, this is what we're told. For Christ's love compels us, compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, all. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message and the ministry of reconciliation. I fear that whatever our political persuasion might be, that we are really going to be tempted, uh, tempted to allow that to trump the kingdom of God. 
And I'm very concerned that in our, right, that our rhetoric that may sound very righteous, we may be tempted to actually be viewing people from a worldly point of view. The ministry of reconciliation of Jesus Christ is an absolute scandal to every power in this world, wherever you land on the spectrum. The kingdom of God is a critique to every loyalty, every sense of self-righteousness, every way we would protect ourselves. It is a critique to that. It is an invitation to hang on a cross with Jesus and die for the sake of love. For the Roman Empire, for the oppressors, for the oppressed, for everyone who is estranged from God, because left to ourselves, we are all estranged from God. So this reconciliation that God brings is the first healing that has to happen. And we're in it together. We're in it together. There's none of us that are righteous. No, not one. You remember that verse? We all need to be brought back to God. We all need to repent. We all need God's mercy. This puts us all in the same boat and we live now in the way of and in the power of the Jesus who freely laid down his life on the empire's cross, who endured the rejection of the religious powers, who hung between two common criminals and prayed with gasping breath to the Father. Can you hear his words? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As Christians, we are the people who can hang on a cross and who can pray with tears and gasping breath. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So Will Campbell put his life on the line and was cut off by many from his, uh, his family and the world he'd known, religious and social. He formed a, 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 a liter, literary magazine that was called Catalgete, which was taken from the... the the root word of Greek, which means to be reconciled. It was 2 Corinthians 5.20. This was his life's mission, and this, this journal went on until the 90s. What's interesting, though, even as he was doing all this civil uh, rights work, he continued the relationships of many he knew from his childhood, many of whom were in the KKK. As the years went on, he began to serve as a confessor to many who were in the KKK. You remember um, the tragic death of Vernon Dammer from Hattiesburg, Mississippi, who was the leader of the NAACP in Mississippi. And uh, he lost his life. He burned to death at the hands of the Klan. His house burned. He was trying to save his family, and he died. Sam Bowers, who was the Grand Wizard of the KKK, uh, was responsible for his death. He went up to trial twice. Uh, he wasn't convicted. A third time, 25 years later, he went up for trial, and everyone knew that this time he was going to be convicted. Campbell uh, knew the Dammer family well. He'd been part of their life for a decade or two. He also knew Sam Bowers. He'd known him since he was a kid. Will Campbell went to every day of that trial. Most days, he would sit with the Dammer family. Some days he'd move over and he would sit behind Sam Bowers. The Dammer family was large. There were lots of people there. 
Sam was pretty much on his own. He would hug the Dammer family. He would pray for them and over them. He'd tell them he loved them. Numerous times, press who were there would note that he would walk across the aisle and he would, he would embrace um, Sam Bowers and he would tell him that he loved him and he was praying for him. One day, he walked out the back and a reporter stopped him. It was a media frenzy, as you can imagine. And the reporter asked him, can you explain your actions? I've been watching you constantly. It almost seems like you're on both sides. Can you explain yourself? And Will looked at him and said, I don't know. I guess it's just because I'm a goddamn Christian. There is something about the way of Jesus that is a scandal everywhere we go. There is something about the transformative love of Jesus Christ that makes possible reconciliation. I believe in it. And you might... I was thinking this week about what I felt compelled to offer, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, guess most of you here, you don't actually know my, my political convictions. You might think you do, except for a very small circle of you who may have asked me very pointed questions and I chose to answer, you probably don't know, and it doesn't matter. Because I am not a spokesperson for a political agenda. As best I know, I am called. I took ordination vows. I am a spokesperson for the kingdom of God. And we have opportunities to be a radical witness to the radical grace of Jesus Christ. And I'll be the first to tell you, I don't know for you, I don't even know for myself exactly what that means I'm supposed to do in a given moment, but I know that whatever it is, it's consistent with the reconciling, justice-making love of Jesus Christ. And I, God help me, will not, will not abandon that. Because if we abandon that, what are we doing here? We're just goddamn Christians. And that means something. Our loyalty is to Jesus. Our loyalty is to every person that Jesus loves. Our loyalty is to those who are oppressed and hurting. And our loyalty is those who have dehumanized themselves by their hatred. Because Jesus died on a cross. As Will Campbell said, Mr. Jesus died even for bigots. <laughs> he did. Because he died for me. And I know my heart. <laughs> And it can be pretty dark in there. It can be pretty evil. And Jesus invites us to be part of the reconciling work of Christ. May we do that. Will you pray with me? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.